0: I'm Marianne Kolbisak McGee, executive editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Rob Suarez, who is CISO at the medical device maker Beckton Dickinson and Company or BD, about recent developments and trends involving medical device cybersecurity. So Rob, for starters, I understand that BD recently became the first medical technology company authorized as a common vulnerability and exposures numbering authority by the CVE program that's sponsored by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and operated by MITRE Corporation. What is the significance of this for BD? And what is the significance of this for medical device cybersecurity in the bigger picture?
1: Being a TV numbering authority for BD is an honor, and it, it really is uh, also a recognition of just the, the level of maturity we have achieved as a medical technology company in our ability to communicate vulnerabilities to our customers, healthcare providers. Too. And what it comes down to actually is also that BD now has the authority to use the common weakness enumeration system to classify vulnerability types that were for, for vulnerabilities that we're communicating so we'll still continue to use like for example the common vulnerability scoring system to to communicate vulnerability characteristics and severity for bd software and products but also it really allows us to again just streamline our ability in partnership you know with cert organizations across the world in communicating vulnerabilities. And I'll add this as well. We have a long history of working closely with CISA, the Department of Homeland Security, and as well as the FDA on coordinated vulnerability disclosure, really to align our practices and focus on transparency. Because at the end of the day, customers can't protect what they don't know.
0: So Rob, this allows BD to classify vulnerabilities identified in its own products, not other manufacturers' medical devices. Is that correct? And then also, what about vulnerabilities that independent researchers identify in BD medical devices? Would BD be the party to assign a classification to those vulnerabilities found by other third parties as well? Or how how would that work? That's
1: correct, Miriam. So first, this this recognition is really about vulnerabilities that are identified in BD products. And then uh, secondly, we work closely with security researchers and and it, this certainly applies to uh, vulnerabilities that are identified by security researchers in BD products. We're very supportive of the security research community. In fact, they're doing a great service um, to, to healthcare and, and working collaboratively with medical device manufacturers in identifying and reporting you know, these these vulnerabilities that they may find, and in our case again, the recognition as a certified numbering authority um, certainly applies to uh, security researcher findings with BD products.
0: So, Rob, when it comes to the types of security vulnerabilities that are being identified in medical devices, what types of issues are we seeing lately that put these products at potential security risk for the types of threats that we're also seeing in healthcare?
1: We are seeing an increase in third party vulnerabilities. Um, that impact, you know, devices across all industries, actually, not just healthcare. To address these types of vulnerabilities, you know, manufacturers have to be transparent about the software components that are used in medical technology. You know, there are some significant efforts underway right now to advance this very topic of transparency to the software that's used in medical technology. It's called FBOM, Software Builds Materials, and I'm sure, Marianne, you've heard it um, before in your discussions with others across the industry. This is the itemized list of, of software that's either procured or open source software as well that gets incorporated into medical technology that can, in fact, have... know vulnerabilities reported by their vendor or developer. And so providing that level of transparency on the types of software that are used in medical technology really enables manufacturers to respond quickly, identify the impact of these vulnerabilities to medical technology, but also to customers, healthcare providers that are managing these medical devices on their networks and need to you know, respond and coordinate you know, our response whenever these types of vulnerabilities may occur. And so third party vulnerabilities are certainly you know, something that you know, we see on the rise and uh, certainly don't expect it to go away. I think you know, actually I see it as quite a good thing when software developers and um, these you know, organizations that you know we procure or obtain software from are being more transparent in identifying and communicating vulnerabilities they find in their software. And you know it's really important for medical technology companies and, and healthcare providers to start building that in-house capability to manage vulnerabilities as they arise over time. And they will arise because vulnerabilities are a fact of life. They are inevitable. In fact, much like how we can't conclusively find the absence of bugs in software uh, only their presence and the same thing applies to vulnerabilities in software software just ages like the human body and you know instead of um, you know aches and pains software develops vulnerabilities
0: so Rob, when it comes to BD classifying vulnerabilities that might get identified in your own products, what happens if that vulnerability is actually linked to a third-party component that might be used by other medical device makers as well in their products? How would that work in terms of classifying the vulnerability and then you, you know, letting others know that, hey, if you're using this component, there might be an issue?
1: You know, when there's a cybersecurity vulnerability that emerges, whether it's in our products or in a third-party component, we provide guidance to customers so they can potentially manage that that potential risk properly. And we work with also, you know, ICS cert and uh, certs across the world really to distribute our coordinated vulnerability disclosures so that... Not only uh, our customers can receive this type of information, but also any organization that has subscribed to a CERT, which I encourage other medical device manufacturers to monitor and subscribe and monitor um, the ICS CERT feed and other global CERT organizations, so that they can obtain this information. Our vulnerability disclosures are actually available on our new BD Cybersecurity Trust Center. That is a single source of all information when it comes to cybersecurity at BD. Through our trust center, we post our vulnerability disclosures. There's a section for that. There's also a section where we talk about BD Cybersecurity Framework. We provide resources, a wealth of resources, for other medical device manufacturers to adopt the same practices as well. So templates, for example, for their policies and procedures when it comes to medical device, cybersecurity. So, Marion, in short, you know, we have we provide this information on our uh, BD.com forward slash cybersecurity. That's our cybersecurity trust center, but also we work with cert organizations again to distribute. Our security uh, our vulnerability disclosures so that they're accessible to organizations that are subscribed.
0: So, Rob, you mentioned that vulnerabilities are sort of a fact of life. How do the types of vulnerabilities that we see in older legacy medical devices differ from what we tend to see in some of the newer products? Are there generally fewer vulnerabilities that show up in these newer products? And are manufacturers in general getting better in terms of designing and developing new medical devices with security in mind versus what they did in the past?
1: Yeah, you know, I certainly expect to see newer medical technology with more security. It doesn't necessarily mean that the newer technology won't have vulnerabilities, it's really similar to aging, you know, to run with that analogy. You know, over time, vulnerabilities manifest. And, you know, as a manufacturer, it's important that we build that muscle for respond, for identifying and responding to new vulnerabilities as they occur. You know, the, the complexity with legacy medical devices, you know, Marianne, in my opinion, is that many of these legacy medical devices have third-party components that are no longer supported or even not even just the third-party components in the medical device it could very well be that the medical device itself is no longer supported by the manufacturer and when products and technology go end of life that also means end of security and in these types of situations Certainly, you have, you can segment these devices on a network, isolate the devices on a network, but you also have reduced functionality of the medical device when, you know, when it was designed to be in a, connect, in a connected state. And then secondly, there's a more expensive option, which is a difficult decision to make and sometimes has to wait for procurement cycles to take place at a, in a healthcare system. You know, which is, yeah, buying a new milk, uh device, uh, a newer mouth device. And again, that's just not an easy situation. And so, you know, Marianne, that's just my thought on what are the differences in the legacy mouth devices and new mouth devices and the challenges that they're facing. And
0: finally, Rob, very briefly, are there any cybersecurity-related developments that we should also keep watching for from BD and its devices in the weeks and months to come?
1: So, you know, we are working with, for example, MDIC on a, a CyberStreet benchmarking initiative. And so for every medical Technology company out there that wants to do better at cybersecurity, they're probably asking themselves, what, what should we be doing? And then the next question is, well, how do we track that we're actually doing better? And that is why, you know, in collaboration with MDIC, the Healthcare Sector Coordinating Council, we're using the map already exists. You know, that's the good news. And that is the Healthcare Sector Coordinating Council, MedTech joint security plan. And this is pretty much outlines the basic components of a cybersecurity program that you know medical technology companies can start to adopt and integrate into their quality management systems. So that you know it's it's in the rule books. And what we're doing with NBIC is we're also establishing a means of of generating a maturity uh, metric and an industry benchmark so that medical technology companies can assess themselves and then also view the industry's progress and then in slice into different, so that it's applicable to their, uh, to their verticals. Whether it's an infusion technology or dispensing technology, medication management technology or it's a large manufacturer or a small manufacturer They get to see how is the industry doing, and obviously, you know, in an anonymized way. So um, that is, I think, a very significant effort that's taking place. And then the other one I would just want to give a shout out to Marianne is um, the International Medical Device Regulators Forum, and uh, otherwise called IMDRF. You know, and in in IMDRF, the goal is really to create harmonized regulatory framework. For milk device cybersecurity. And it, and in INDRF, the international piece means we've got regulators from across the world actually involved and in looking at best practices when it comes to milk device cybersecurity. A big topic right now is that software bill of materials and how to operationalize that um, into regulatory frameworks and considerations more medical device manufacturers. That way we can help really automate and operationalize, again, that software materials. Because it's easy to put together that list. It's harder to make it more practical and consumable for a hospital that's managing uh, 15 to 20 medical devices per patient bed. In some cases, there are hospitals, healthcare systems with you know, over 300,000 medical devices in their environments. And so, to, you know, managing a software bill of material for each of those devices can get fairly complex. And IMDRF, is, and also through the software bill of material, and also through NTIA, we're really looking to simplify data.
0: Thanks, Rob. I've been speaking to Rob Suarez of BD. I'm Marianne kobasek mcgee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.